You've made it to Not Billable, the Law Trades podcast that brings you bite-sized legal and business news updates, full event replays, and conversations with legal pros about what's going on behind the scenes every week. Stop the clock, put the timesheet down, it's time to get started. Hey everybody, I'm Warren Pellick with Law Trades, back with another weekly news update. As always, joined by Matt Margolis. Matt, tell the good people how you're doing. Living the dream, man. Every single... We're going to make these into mugs. If you're listening to this, we're going to do it. These are going to be... That's a billion dollar idea. I think these are going to be mugs. Trillions. And trillion dollars. <laughs> and we will sell it on the blockchain, of course. Anyway. We'll sell it for $8 a month. That's $8 a month. It'll be a subscription. You caught that reference. <laughs> Every month you have the mug, it's $8. <laughs> All right. All right, let's take a look at what we're covering this week. Uh, So one of the big news stories uh, of the month is actually not crypto, but Taylor Swift and the fiasco about her her ticket sales. Uh, But we'll also be covering after that some some crypto news, uh, specifically uh, BlockFi. Uh, And then we'll be touching on, um, you know, asking the question if the T14 is even going to be a thing next year. Uh, some of the smaller stories is uh, some IRL shitposting, which is always a fun thing to talk about, <laughs> and a surprise twist in a quarter billion dollar tax evasion scheme. So let's start out with Taylor Swift. Uh, she announced earlier this month, after four years, she's going to go back on the road in 2023. She's going to put on a tour. Uh, her pre-sale opened up on Ticketmaster uh, shortly thereafter. Within minutes, was sold out. Something like 900 stadiums worth of people try to log on and buy tickets, crash Ticketmaster system. The secondhand market was selling tickets. I think I saw something for like $34,000 a piece. Insane, insane stuff. Uh, and you piss off the Swifties. They're going to come for you. Now we have the DOJ and senators and all these people going after Ticketmaster and Live Nation saying, hey, you guys are a monopoly and this does not work. It is. Well, first off, hundred percent, right? Most of these tickets are sold through Ticketmaster. Live Nation, I think, is owned by Ticketmaster. Um, if, I've heard the reports from folks. I've seen it on Twitter where, where people were stuck in the queue for hours, days, infinity, and beyond so they could never get their tickets. And now, I love it. You've, you've pissed off a fan base that's so... Um, that's the best way to put it. Rabbit. <laughs> rabbit. They're listening to this. They're going to come after us next. So, I, I think... It's, I'll say this: There's a lot of lawyers that are Swifties, so they uh, no shade. They know their rights. I'm sure there's a number of antitrust lawyers that are huge Taylor Swift fans that are like, guys, I know the law on this topic, and we were waiting for this moment to happen, where yeah. finally we get to, to mobilize uh, in the name of Taylor Swift. So, uh, the wrong fan base to have this problem. It's very interesting to see. Um, mm-hmm especially in the age where we're looking at antitrust uh, issues, mostly in tech, right? We've talked right. about this in the past where we've seen right. uh, the Department of Justice take a much closer look at bigger tech companies, whether it be like app store issues mm-hmm. or advertisement. So it's interesting to see uh, tickets, right? But but this is not like a new thing. You go all the way back to yeah. the 90s with Pearl Jam, and Pearl Jam was the first people to say, hey, Ticketmaster is becoming something of a monopoly here. Then when Ticketmaster and Live Nation merged, People were already saying back then, hey, this is going to be a big problem. This is a monopoly. And the DOJ agreed. And they said, we'll approve this merger, but we have you know, a litany of, sure. of stipulations you need to follow. The problem is, how do you monitor, unless something goes wrong, like with this Taylor Swift uh, situation, how do you monitor kind of like these internal stipulations and what's going on? So it's been a well, few years and 
you know. Sure. I'm sure there's a there's some sort of right, like a consent order in place or, or a settlement agreement of some kind, right? Um, I I would assume there's probably a Department of Justice lawyer that's tasked with that or uh, some sort of manager in place, like legal analysts that make sure that things are in compliance. There yeah. probably are some sort of checks where it's like um, every year you certify that this has occurred or this has occurred or you've divested interest in this. That said, to your point, I'm shocked that we haven't seen much more of a fight over the last couple of years. But again, also to your point, like it takes a big event for, for everyone to finally be like, well, wait a minute. Right. And usually that big event is a merger, not... Right. You know, right. Like, uh, like I, I like in the past, Office Depot and Staples were set to merge together and that triggered an antitrust um, uh, issue, which ultimately I think the DOJ said, no, you cannot merge here. It's Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is the trigger. for. <laughs> but but listen, you, you need like it's not going to be some small artist who doesn't have much. pull. Sure. You need somebody as massive as Taylor Swift or Beyonce or, or whomever. Yeah. If you'll remember, Taylor Swift went after Spotify a few years ago uh, to try to change the game there. Uh, and now, you know, her fan base, again, being large enough, might be going after our, uh, Ticketmaster to change that system. This is this episode of this podcast. The slogan here is if you're going to mess with any fan base for the love of all that's holy, please do not mess with the Swifties. <laughs> they 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 will get you. They will they will take they will you get down. You. If you're listening to this as a Swiftie. I'm with you guys. Please do not take us down. Um, I don't know what we did, but please, guys. <laughs> we know your power. <laughs> we stand with the Swifties. All right. Well, before we get into any more hot water with the Swifties, let's quickly move on. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, the, the, the fallout from the massive FTX uh, collapse earlier this month is now being felt in a second collapse. This being BlockFi. Now, BlockFi. So so FTX is is was a crypto exchange, right? Just like the New York Stock Exchange. BlockFi was a crypto lender, right? So they would actually lend you funds in exchange for, for your tokens. Uh, but they were in trouble earlier this year. They got a bailout from FTX. And then once FTX fell, Block, uh, BlockFi was really quickly uh, to follow. And now here we are with another massive, uh, um, uh, you know, Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Unbelievable. Yeah, and the question is, how much further will this contagion go, and will it spread to more traditional banks and investment firms? That's a fair question. Uh, I think ye- I, I think it's been coined as such. Coined as such. Oh my gosh, the puns. Um, but I think you've said this <laughs> last episode as well. It, it, we are seeing a crypto winter um, because of FTX hand in uh, BlockFi, and I think they also maybe provided funds to other companies that were similar. I think Genesis was potentially having problems, at least at some point. I don't know what their they status still are. They are now trying to raise something like a quarter billion dollars just to kind of save what's left. But they, if they go, uh, that's one of the originals, right? They're from 2013 yeah. or something like that. That's one of the biggest original institutions. So you're seeing that you're seeing this effect where because FTX, you're right, was playing, uh, I won't, I'm not kingmaker, but they were playing um, stabilizer. They were playing stabilizer. Let's stabilize the market. Let's make sure that the market's still moving. You're right. When you get your tentacles into all of these different corporations, uh, when one falls, the other falls because you're right. You're my lender. Or you're my you're my whatever, my financial institution, or you've been providing me with a revolving line of credit. And once right. the credit stops, how do I fund payroll? How do I make sure that my liquidity is still at a certain point where I can cover uh, my right. liabilities. Now, that being said, I think 
Now, this may have just happened like a day or so ago. I think BlockFi is now suing FTX because of this loan. It's, so there's this other wrinkle, which if you're a bankruptcy attorney or a, um, I think, what, what do you call it? Almost like a recovery attorney within, within bankruptcy. Um, you're going to go after FTX or at least whatever's going to be left for blood mm-hmm. because you've got to pay off mm-hmm. all of these creditors. Yeah, which as we talked about uh, last time, it's something like it's going to end up being like something like a million creditors for FTX sure. and the jury's still out, so to speak, on how many creditors it's going to be for BlockFi. Uh, another exchange collapsed, I think, yesterday as well. Bitfinance, you have Genesis sure. teetering. And there's rumors that, by the way, that Binance is not the strongest company either. So you have all the dominoes are continuing to fall. Yeah, it's it's crypto winter again. It's going to be a very cold crypto winter. You will see, obviously, the effect um, in different financial institutions outside of crypto because so many people were heavily invested, right? Like Mm -hmm. Sequoia, I think, is a good example where Sequoia just wrote had to write off, write down um, $150 million that they put into, for example, FTX. There are plenty of other VC funds or private equity or hedge funds that had investments within crypto that are going to have to write off those investments or, you know, explain to their limited partners, hey, guys, like we're in trouble. Like we've right. actually lost X amount of dollars. I even saw someone post on Twitter fairly recently, some group, hey, we had $100 million within FTX. We've recovered some of it, which I'm not even going to get into clawback because, right, there's, we're not going to talk about bankruptcy law just yet here, but that money might have to go back to the bankruptcy. But those folks are like, look, the vast majority of the money that I had within FTX or whatever um, crypto exchange, it's probably gone. It's probably gone. Yeah. And a little kind of note here that I found, uh, you know, amusing and in a pretty dark way is that I think in the middle of all this, something like at the end of last week, uh, Fidelity, which is one of the largest uh, uh, investment institutions in the in the world, I think, just said that, you know, we are now going to provide cryptocurrencies as a way to invest your retirement savings, which in the middle of all this was a wild announcement. Yeah, a wild announcement. Which for them, at least they could say like, hey, guys, like, we're liquid. <laughs> we're liquid. We're li- but this gets back to a point that we've talked about so many times here, which is kind of the paradox of regulation. On the one sure. hand, crypto was not regulated. So you have, you know, uh, basically a house of cards uh, of inside dealing and, and this and that. And, and when one card goes, the whole system is, as we're watching, collapses. But on the other hand, because it wasn't regulated, it almost protects the wider economy because, you know, big banks that are, are very, very well regulated couldn't dip their toes into crypto and thus are not sure. seeing the contagion effect here. I think that's fair. Uh, there are some that that did have the ability to to jump in there, but that's a, a good example is like venture capital, right? Like venture capital couldn't invest in these these crypto coins, these crypto um, ventures, you know, like whether it be a, an exchange or it's, you know, a special new coin that's coming out or BlockFi, which was a lender. Um, you're right, they were touched, but some other institutions, because you're right, because they would have to disclose those holdings or because investing in it would cause a an effect that would maybe, you know, I don't know, would trigger some sort of SEC um, inquiry. Didn't do it, which mm-hmm. you're right. Same, definitely, you know, they look back, probably in the beginning, they were like, oh gosh, we could have made X amount of dollars. Now they look back like, wow, we could have lost X amount of dollars. Right, right, wild. All right. Well, let's pivot here to a, a completely different topic. Law school rankings. <laughs> uh, 
so traditionally you have the T14, which is the top 14 law schools in the country. Traditionally, you have the U.S. News and World Report, which which ranks, uh, which is the most, you know, kind of uh, famous example of, of law school rankings. Uh, but I think two weeks ago, something like that, in the, the middle of November, Harvard and Yale Law School said, we're out. We don't want to be part of this this U.S. News and World Report ranking system anymore. We don't entirely agree with how they, they set up the rankings, what they mean, how it affects us and how we have to structure our law school. Uh, I think of a day or so after that, the American Bar Association said, and by the way, we're not going to require law schools to to use the LSAT or the GRE for, for new applicants. And then it kind of set off a torrent and almost the entire T14 pulled out of the ranking system. Crazy. I think uh, U.S. Um, is it U.S. News? U.S. Mm-hmm. News. <laughs> we're like, we're still doing it. We're still going to rank them. <laughs> like, but yeah, but so what does it mean now? So what does it mean now? I think that's a fair point, right? Because it'll probably be like U.S. News will ask for certain bits of information, Yale or Harvard or uh, I think Georgetown stepped out of it or whoever it is, is going to say, you know, we're we're not providing you whatever we're going to provide you. We're not going to provide you whatever information. So it's interesting, selfishly, as a Florida State University College of Law grad, (laughs) we're going to be number one next. So (laughs) we're going to go to a number one law school. Um, but it definitely, you know, in a, on a more serious note, it definitely has um, an interesting effect on that plus the LSAT being more an optional thing if it if a school ends up making it optional. Um, will definitely have an interesting effect because of like, that's the that's law, right? Law is about prestige. Like you talk about, oh, I went to the top law school and the T14 and my LSAT was 180. It was a perfect score. I'm the smartest person around. And to see such a fundamental shift right. will be interesting in a, in a, again, in, a, in a, an industry that is so prestigious, heavily relying upon, exactly heavily yeah. relying upon that. But uh, first of all, there are other ranking systems, right? You have above sure. the law, which has its, its own uh, ranking system, right? Shout but, out but, to but, ATL, <laughs> but, but there are alternates. <laughs> but what's interesting, I didn't go to law school. I'm not a lawyer, but what was interesting to me reading about this and kind of, uh, kind of gaining insight into this was the reason so many of these T14 schools pulled out is because it blocked them from, I don't want to say pushing the graduates, but, but what they had to focus on was getting their graduates into private firms, kind of keeping them away from public, uh, the public domain, even if it, you know, ethically might, might, uh, that might be an issue because it helped the rankings. Right. So to pull out yeah, well, that raises an interesting point. Sorry to cut you off, Warren. No. This is on the the heels of Yale having an issue with judges, where these federal judges are saying that Yale, I think, is too woke or whatever. The the Fifth Circuit, I think, is kind of spearheaded this one, hmm. and they, uh, a couple of judges were like, "We're not hiring." We we will say this now: we are not hiring Yale grads to be law clerks. So I think that plays a part in it as well, where. As maybe they won't say it out loud, but because there's that fear that Yale cannot, you know, put all these students in these prestigious law clerk positions, you know, that may hurt um, the rankings as well. Well, listen, uh, I don't think anyone is going to, to snub their nose now at, at Yale or Harvard Law <laughs> just because they're not in this ranking. Or why, why not? <laughs> Number one. Shout and, out, guys. As a Bruin, I think UCLA was uh, <laughs> was on its way up there. Fair, fair point. All right. Well, let's let's turn and look at some of the the smaller stories this week. 
So this one is a is a wild ride of a story. There is an attorney uh, in Ohio by the name of Jack Allen Blakesley, I believe, uh, who is now facing an ethics complaint for allegedly uh, defecating into a Pringles can, throwing it into the parking lot of the Haven of Hope Victims Advocacy Center, driving off to court where, lo and behold, opposing counsel was Haven of Hope Victims Advocacy Center, uh, who filed this complaint. And then interesting note here from above the law was apparently he's done this 10 times in the past. This is not his first time <laughs> hurling a, a Pringles can of feces at opposing counsel. So, <laughs> so, like, so or I'll say this, like in Florida, like we get like uh, from, from the bar, it'll send you like a list of like uh, disciplinary actions against attorneys. And it's usually the same things, right? Like um, you commingled trust account money, you shouldn't do that. Or it's, you know, it could be something a little bit more nefarious, like fraud or whatever. I have never seen an ethics issue involving someone defecating into a Pringles can. This <laughs> 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 is like, and I, listen, I, there's nothing you can do in the scenario but laugh at how ridiculous. Like when I was in law school, we all take a professional ethics class. I can assure you, my professor... <laughs> never said hey guys here's a big one for you this this comes up quite a bit do not defecate into a can of pringles and throw them at something uh completely understandable um my question is uh is pringles going to respond to this can you imagine pringles is like we have no affiliation with uh with that's not we do not advise getting into our cans and throwing them and, and does this attorney work for a firm or is he on his own like what what, what do his partners have to say about this if he works at a, at a, at a larger firm especially if he's done it 10 times in the this past, is number like, 11 oh, jack. yeah jack we, we need to talk here buddy no they're like oh it's just jack <laughs> you know it happens <laughs> unbelievable unbelievable well, uh, I'm very curious to see how that ends, but uh, <laughs> a wild story. Uh, let's finish off here with, uh, with I guess, the ultimate ending, uh, which is a Texas tax attorney by the name of Carlos Kepke, who uh, back in 2021 was accused of allegedly helping, helping a private equity fund evade some quarter billion dollars worth of capital gains taxes. Uh, he was set to appear on Monday, uh, in front of a uh, federal court in California. Lo and behold, and I'm not saying this isn't true, but the night before he was set to appear, he died. That's so now, crazy. Yeah. So now the, the federal court is saying we need proof of his death. Um, but, you know, it's... That, uh, that, would, so that's, that was like my worst fear in private practice is, especially in the plaintiff side, if you're a plaintiff's attorney and you have a client that mm -hmm. um, is seeking recovery of you know like in, in some action and they die the day before or they're an executor of an estate and they die um that is a frightening thing and here i mean it's i, I think he was an older gentleman who had passed yeah, something um, in his 80s so it's not out of the realm of possibility clearly exactly it could have been like stress induced sure. i'm not going to speculate on, on this man's passing but sure i understand the court the court's like listen like i understand he probably you know he probably did die but like just want to clarify, you know, it is the day he was supposed to testify. You yeah, know? for so a very kind of a major thing. offense. Yeah, exactly. That's, um, wow. So uh, just kind of the, the logistics here, do, do the charges go to the firm? Like, or is this completely wiped if, if, if he actually is dead? Like, what happens now? 
I don't know. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I'm assuming there's probably a number of civil cases probably going on stemming from this. Yeah. So in a civil case, like the firm's not off the hook. And I would assume you'd probably go after the estate for whatever right. money is there. Cri- I mean, criminally, it's not like, can you imagine it's like you've got a partner and you're like, he died, so you're up next. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's <laughs> not. <laughs> anyway, I'm like, listen, I know you thought you were scot-free, but that guy's gone. So like, we're going to. That's how it works Sorry. here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I assume in, in, in the civil case, the IRS uh, is going to go after uh, his estate or the estate of the uh, or, or the private equity fund or whomever for that quarter billion dollars. But, Everybody. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But in, in a criminal matter, um, I mean, that's what do you it. Do? He's yeah. gone. Yeah. Unbelievable. What a wild case. Yeah. What a crazy coincidence of timing also. I, I know this isn't a or I know this isn't. A story we're forwarding, but I think the, the, the viewers out there need to hear this. Today, the uh, Forbes 30 under 30 came out, and I didn't get it. I don't. I don't understand. I thought oh, you, didn't, you know that you, you didn't get. I'm off we all... under 30 anymore as well, which is blows my <laughs> mind. But that's not the point. It's not the point. <laughs> so, uh, all right, guys. My uh, sincerest know, condolences. <laughs> So on that note. Yeah, on uh, that note, exactly. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. We really appreciate it. Hope As always, yes. Next one. Thank you so much. And if you love it, you hate it, you're indifferent, that's fantastic. Leave us a comment. Send us an email. Let us know how you feel about it. Let us know how you feel about uh, about uh, you know the, the law school rankings. Maybe, maybe you went to a, a T20 school and you want to know what's going on. But uh... Yeah, listen, if you're a Florida State grad, give me a shout-out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, good ruins, and uh, I'll see you next time. Thanks again. See you next time. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out also on LinkedIn and Twitter to keep up to speed with what we're doing. Catch you on the next one.